coming back to uh, episode two of Grit. Uh, we have a jam-packed, fun schedule of things to talk about. First of all, Ooh, we do... I can't wait. I know. Well, first of all, we did have somebody uh, here, our third guy. But, of course, the microphone does not work because the audio interface uh, is a four-channel interface and the uh, audition is only recognizing it as two, which means my cohort, Ben, is now pissed off. Well, I'm, I'm so... I'm so frustrated right now. People don't even read their Bible, for heaven's sakes. They go to church on Sunday, and they think they're just doing God a big favor. And they put two bucks in the offering plate, and they think everything's just cool. Satan gave me this mess. I mean, it's a lie of the devil. I shouldn't have said that. Someone called and said, is Pokemon demonic? The answer to that is yes, they are all oriental demons. Yep. I believe there's somebody out there, they have a child who's been diagnosed with ADD, hyperactivity, and, and learning disabilities. And I believe if you anoint your child with, these, with this miracle spring water, God's going to touch that child. Yeah. He's going to buckle down. He's going to study. He's going to get straight A's. Get better grades than he ever got before. Right. And you'll know it's because of God's supernatural right. touch. It's a girl, Liz. It's, it's, a girl? it's a girl, yes. Well, you just don't want to give her drugs because that doesn't do any good. You use have to use the miracle, miracle spring, spring water. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to the third person in our little party here. His name is Terry. He's the cynic. And he's Native American. Terry? Thanks, Josh. I really appreciate you calling out my ethnicity uh, there. Uh, yes, I am a little bit cynical from time to time when, in, uh, when it comes to religion. Um, but I assume that's why you want me here is to speak on uh, my specific beliefs. What's your backstory, Terry? Well, I, I grew up on uh, Indian Reservation in northeastern Montana. Um, Born and raised Catholic, uh, I've attended uh, catechism uh, when I was younger. Went to Sunday services with my mother. Uh, father wasn't uh, never attended. Um, it was uh, it's quite the experience um, being in a small town church. Uh, it was very old church, no air conditioning. Just a small town church. Yeah. Um, you know, three. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, uh, going through, um, Catholicism, uh, you know, the Catholic church and everything. Um, I was, uh, raised on believing that the only way you can get your sins forgiven is by, uh, meeting with the priest and, uh, expressing your, uh, sins to them. And, uh, Sorry, Terry's a little distracted right now because uh, Josh shoved. Yep. A mic. <laughs> shoved a microphone in Terry's face. Okay, so first of all, no, I did not. You shoved a and beer bottle a into result, Terry's face. And as a result, the microphone fell over. Why is this like caught Josh. <laughs> Josh's fault. Yeah. Don't shut that. I want this to record. <laughs> so back to uh, reservations and cataclysms. 
Catholicism. <laughs> what a fucking shit show. <laughs> All right, yeah, so uh, I. <laughs> so, uh. So, uh. <laughs> nothing happened. Yeah. You didn't notice anything. Yeah. Okay, so. Going into uh, Catholicism, you know, I was born and raised in the belief that, uh, you know, you have to uh, confess your sins in order to uh, get to heaven. I. Grew out of that eventually um, when I became an adult. I, you know, started uh, questioning my beliefs and decided that I would uh, forego any religion at that point and uh, would try to consider myself as an atheist. Um, so atheist, sorry to interrupt there, atheist or agnostic? Well, at first it was, a, a, you know, I was dabbling with the idea of uh, atheism, but... Uh, Eventually, I, I turned more towards an agnostic. Um, just growing up where I did, uh, it was very um, spiritual. Um, you know, we, we born and raised about uh, our, our traditional ways, basically talk about uh, you know, spirits and spirit world and everything. And, you know, some experiences that I've had growing up made me even question atheism as uh, a belief. And maybe start leaning more towards ag- agnostic uh, views, uh, just based off of uh, some things that I ex- I've experienced. That uh, I don't want to sound like a quack here, but like uh, you know, paranormal stuff. Um, hey man, there's no judgment things. here. And you know that that kind of just kept me at, at uh, being an agnostic. But um, trying to get into uh, more organized religion um, and you know, when we, um, as we got older, we had more access to uh, information, um, you know, the birth of the internet, you know. Uh, information superhighway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, being able to just see how people treat each other in the world and um, how organized religion, uh, you know, like you have the Joel Austin with the... Super mansion, asking for people to send them money and everything all the time, but stuff like that, made, you know, made me sick, and that's what really like led into my belief that you know organized religion is a terrible thing to be a part of, and just kept me at being an agnostic the entire time. So as you heard from Terry, uh, he too uh, was victimized. Well, I mean, not victimized, but, you know, it, it, it goes into it. The Yes, uh, but it does go into that issue of, uh, of what, we, uh, what we talked about last podcast, essentially what religion does to you versus uh, personal faith, what relationship with Christ versus the relationship with what the church has become. And I think that the reason why we brought Terry on is, uh, specifically is so that you can understand from somebody else, somebody who is a cynic, that they've been through exactly what you've probably been through, uh, John Q. listener and Jane Q. listener. And, you know, what I really wanted to add in that, too, is uh, my cynicism really comes a lot from my uh, profession. Um, I've worked in law enforcement for many years and seen things and, uh, uh, you know, experience things that uh, make you want to question your faith 
and uh, I, you know, I I think the, that's what a lot of people struggle with too, um, especially those in uh, law enforcement or uh, emergency services. No, definitely. Um, you know, even working in mental health, working in uh, where uh, Ben and I worked, uh, seeing uh, a 9, 10, 11-year-old kid who's completely manic, and you wonder how that was able to happen to a child, and then it questions the entire identity of, uh, of what God is. So, Terry, you were talking about your experiences with church, and then you were also talking about, you know, uh, uh, Joel Osteen, and... At, at some point or another, like you looked at it and you said, this this whole process of organized religion, there's there's something wrong with it. Uh, something's not right. Um, and and was there anything in particular that you were like, you know, like something's not right about it? Was it just the money issue or was it how it was presented to you? Yeah, you know, it's... it's uh like going into the Catholic Church, it's all this uh, theatrics and presentation where it's like uh, stand up, kneel, um, do the cross, do a jumping jack, you know, and it's stuff like that. And then you look, you look at some of these more uh, uh, mega churches, I, I would say, and you see the amount of like lighting and special effects that they use and everything. And you know, what is what is that? What's the deal with that? With the amount of money that they put into that? Yeah. Okay. So. So you've got Terry here who, who is, you know, talking about, okay, so on one, one end of the spectrum, you're just going through the motions, um, uh, scratch your arm three times, uh, wink twice, and you're saved. And, and then on the other end of the spectrum, you've got uh, this scenario where you're, you're pulled in, you're dragged in um, by lighting and, and pyrotechnics and sound and, and uh, soft piano playing. At, at what point do you read through it? You say, "Stop for a second. All of this is bullshit." Well, the thing is, it's it's funny because, you know, again, when when I had first uh, accepted Christ into my heart, I was 14 years old, and I was barely going to this church. I I grew up in a home. Uh, my my parents got divorced when I was 11, and I grew up with my my stepdad, who my mom had remarried um a couple of years after so at 13 years old she remarried my stepdad my stepdad was an abusive piece of shit beat the shit out of me every day there was a church across the street that church across the street was my only refuge it was the only place that i could really go the doors were always open i ended up getting a job there as a janitor when i was 15 years old uh because that way then at least i was making money you know i mean money yeah who doesn't like money so at any rate, though, at 14 years old, I was going to this church, uh, basically, uh, the door, whenever the doors were open. And uh, there were a few people there that, uh, that I really enjoyed uh, their company, really enjoyed their time there. But I would go to every service. I would go to Sunday school. I would go to youth group. I would go to uh, Royal Rangers. Uh, you know, if you can guess the denomination of this particular church, if anybody's been a part of that, you'll know exactly what it is. Needless to say, one of these services happened to be what was called a Heaven's Gates Hell's Flames production. And if anybody knows what a Heaven's Gates Hell's Flames production is, uh, it's basically this theatrical presentation of what happens uh, after you die. 
So, you know, but it was multiple accounts. You have, you know, different people that had accepted Christ and different people that hadn't accepted Christ. And when they had accepted Christ, it was like this glorious presentation of meeting Christ for the first time and how wonderful it was and skipping with Jesus Christ. But if you if you didn't accept Christ, it was fire and brimstone and screaming and weeping and it was it was terrible. It was fucking terrible. Like basically, what it did was it incited it incited fear in this fourteen year old heart that said, "Oh my God, if I don't accept Christ right now at this very moment, then then I'm going to die in the very you know five next five seconds i have a lot of anxiety so i figured i was going to die at any given moment i still feel like i'm going to die at any given moment uh (laughs) and that's just part of my anxiety but the thing is if i didn't accept christ because of fear not reverence because of fear then i was going to die an eternity in damnation and so right there and then at that point it was all about theatrics. The, the whole reason why I had accepted Christ in my life was because of this theatrical presentation, was because uh, uh, I was told that if I didn't accept Christ, that I would burn in hell forever. And, and so I accepted Christ based on fear. Now, later, uh, obviously, I began to know Christ differently. But the thing is, that's how I was pulled in initially. And it's the same way with, with all of these churches, with many churches right now that you see, where you're pulled in by lights, by theatrical presentation, by clear sound and quality audio and video that, that is just appealing to the eye. Fog machines. Fog machines. <laughs> Pyrotechnics. Uh, uh, beautiful music that, you know, you swear that the edge from U2 was playing because, you know, it's got this uh, speaker reverb that, that, that sounds just like his. And so you're like, oh, man, this is so crystal clear and lovely. I think I can get lost in this forever. And you leave church feeling like, man, that was a great church service. That was easy. That wasn't too bad. And that's how they get you. That's how they pull you in. No, absolutely. And, of course, right when that piano music just starts to come down just a little bit, all the heads are bowed, all the uh, eyes are closed, that's when the plate gets passed. Money! (laughs) Yeah, it's all about the money. No, absolutely. That's what it comes down to. I mean, granted, you know, like, I think there's a certain amount of control that's that's involved in that, uh, too. But but really, it, it's control for the purpose of, of more financial gain for the church. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, this goes back to a little bit what we talked about last time. Um, you know, there there's there's a lot of... If you think we're making this up, there's actually examples in the Bible that discuss uh, specifically, you know, what Jesus was encountering during his time. Uh, Because believe it or not, this problem is not uh, uh, just with Christianity. It actually is with uh, all religions. You know, these religions, uh, what you definitely see going on is that these religions make money. Uh, People who are supposed to be the most caring and the most... uh, 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 stewards, stewardy, st- stewardosio, stewardist uh, of uh, of our um, of our faith. The ones who are five hundred one c three are the ones who are reaping the benefit from this, and and it's not just exclusive to Christianity. Uh, the idea is to make lots of money, and so uh, one of the great things about Jesus is that he actually confronts this 
uh, type of machine in his day. Uh, so uh, may your hearts be at ease that this isn't a, a new issue that we're running into. However, there's more money to be made now than there was back then. Uh, more specifically, going back to uh, what Jesus had to confront, uh, you know, if you know your Bibles, you know who the Pharisees and the Sadducees were. Uh, they definitely made a living on making money uh, and uh, uh, playing on the fears and the, and the hearts of, of men and women. Uh, and of course, the best way to do that was to offer uh, things uh, to them, give them money, give them sacrifices. You know, th there's a whole list of things that we can go over here, but we're not going to. But Jesus did confront those things as well. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, Matthew chapter six, of course, right, right smack dab in the Sermon on the Mount says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. Uh, and he's he's speaking specifically with the Pharisees and Sadducees uh, present during the Sermon on the Mount uh, so that they're able to hear this as well. When you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Then he even goes on a step further. It's not just about money. It's about prayer, too, because it's not about a show. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees that it is done in secret will then reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling on like the pagans or Pharisees or Sadducees, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask it. Now, does that sound familiar to any church that is currently running right now today? Absolutely. That Those verses right there sound directed directly at all churches today. They're like, oh, God, please give me more money. Oh, absolutely. Again, $99.99 a month for the platinum. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. Listen to, you know, and I always bring him up, but I'm pretty sure he's uh, enemy number one for the Grit podcast here, Kenneth Copeland. Just do yourself a favor and Google Kenneth Copeland. That man has, rambles and rambles and rambles and rambles during his prayers, but the meaning or the reason for that rambling is for one reason, to get you jacked up so that you believe that he's going to blow the wind of God and direct fire from hell to burn COVID-19 out of the air if only you would just send the platinum package. That money. That's right. No, so that you're absolutely right. The Matthew 6 nails it. And again, Jesus, when he was giving these sermons on the mountain, you have to understand, he was speaking directly to these people. Now, others heard it, but did they really? Because here we are, again, I have people coming up to me almost daily saying the same thing. You know, I would believe in Jesus, but the church, but the church. Let me tell you something. One of Jesus's greatest victories. I mean, honestly, if you're ever bored, go watch the Bible on that or on uh, now it's on Amazon Prime. But one of his greatest victories was against the very institution that was supposed to be worshiping his father. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we talked about that last week, too, where where Jesus's teachings didn't reside within four walls. His, uh, Sermon on the Mount was obviously one of his most most famous uh, instructions or teachings that he gave to his followers at that time. Uh, but again, it was on the mountain. It wasn't in the church. Exactly. 
So the thing is, in, in going back to that, you know, then look at the churches uh, today and how they're giving. Where's their money going? What are they doing with, with the tithe? What are they doing with, with money that's contributed to them? Uh, and are they making a spectacle of it? Or are they putting it to good use? Sometimes when you, when you do an action well enough, your reputation precedes you. you. Others will know about it. But is it, is it an, is, when, when your reputation precedes you, it's not bragging about it. But is the pastor from the pulpit saying, look what we've done with this money. Look what I've done with my own check. And letting everyone know in the congregation where the money is going is important. However, bragging about it is, is, is uh, it, the very thing that Christ is warning against. When you tithe to these churches, you're not held accountable by what the church is doing with that money. God knows your heart. He did the same thing with Ab- or, uh, Abel, Cain and Abel. He did the exact same thing. He knew Cain's heart, even though Cain provided a bounty. To, to God. That's just not what God wanted from him. And I look at what when people are like, well, I mean, I've given money to Kenneth Copeland. Is that a bad thing? And it's like, no, it's not a bad thing because God understands your heart. He knew when you were giving your 10%. And this, of course, goes to people who have been tithing with their money and not with their time. If you choose to tithe with your money, great. God's going to look upon your your offering with satisfaction. I mean, he says it in the scriptures all over as long as you give with a willing and open heart. Uh, but when Kenneth Copeland takes that money, that's where we come in, because we're going to tell you, this man's hoarding millions upon millions of dollars while the rest of this country suffers, and it's not your fault because you've given him money. Or your local church, you see your local church and you know that they're getting lots and lots and lots of money, and some of that money comes from you, that's not your fault. It's their fault. God's going to bless you for your offering, but there's something waiting in store for these people. Yeah, he's definitely making a production about it. And uh, again, the very thing that Christ warns against. Uh, Hey, give me your money. This is what I'm doing with your money. But not only that, I mean, when he prays, he sounds exactly like the hypocrites that pray in the synagogues uh, that Christ is referring to. I I mean, Christ Christ is amazing, right? He, He can even be a fortune teller in this particular regard because... You know, 2,500 years ago, he predicted that Kenneth Copeland was going to be up here <laughs> uh, praying like this and babbling on like uh, like a hypocrite or a pagan uh, in the synagogue, just tooting his, his own horn and saying what he's able to do, the power that God has given him. So now that God has given him this power, he's entitled to all of your money. That's not the way that this works. That's not the way that Christ works. Nobody should should ever be able to profit from Christ's love. Nobody should be able to profit from Christ's kindness or God's love, for that matter, because it's it's not theirs to profit from. No, I mean it, the expense was all Christ's. He was the one that died on the cross. These guys have have no investment whatsoever, other than the fact that they accepted Christ just like you and me. Right. No, totally, and. If I remember correctly, wasn't there some table flipping when people were making profits in the church? You bet your ass there was. There was. And those people weren't just, it wasn't like a gamble, like uh, some, some dude shooting craps in the corner making a dollar bill. These guys were, were selling 
uh, uh, clean animals for sacrifice and making a profit. And Christ walked in there not moments after saying he was going to destroy the temple and, and rebuild it in three days and sees these guys making profits on, on sacrifice and, and, and casting cr- lots and shit. That's right. And he flipped over some fucking tables. I mean, that was, that's our Messiah right there. So if you think uh, that standing up against these powers is somehow going against that, you're absolutely wrong. And you have nothing to fear uh, when you accept Christ uh, as, as, as the faith that you want to follow as the relationship that you want to have. And then look at these people and say, well, that disgusts me because it disgusts any believer who understands exactly what Christ went through when he uh, stood against uh, Caiaphas and the, in the Pharisees and Sadducees. Well, the whole process of church for profit is disgusting to me anyway, because people are, are intrinsically good. I would at least, you know, the majority of individuals, I don't know if you, you two would agree with that or not, but, but there's a moral compass that is in almost all of us that that would allow us to be intrinsically good, make make the right moral decisions at the right times. Now, granted, some people, you know, by uh, by the way that they were raised, may see right uh, as a different right than than how you see it. But there is a moral compass within all of us that says, well. I feel like that's the wrong thing to do, so I'm not going to decide to do that. So the thing is, when we've got this this moral compass, when we have this desire to uh, to belong, to 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 do good, uh, not necessarily be righteous, but just a moral desire to be an upstanding, like normal human fucking being. When we have this this uh, this desire. And then the church comes in and says, oh, well, we'll, we'll help you out. And, and then they just kind of gradually make a few fine tunings with, with the right minor chord and the, and the right major chord uplift, you know, when the offering plate's being handed out, or the right amount of fog, the right amount of sound, then it takes that moral compass and it puts it, you know, way over on the on the good side and said, yeah, I'm going to be as generous as possible. What? I've got bills to pay. Who gives a fuck? I'm going to go ahead and give to this church because they got this shit figured out. And that's the problem. I, I think that's what we're what what we see, especially when we're looking at this, because, again, we're comparing Jesus's walk to what the church has become today. Right. That's why we're all listening. Is there any merit to uh, this Jesus fellow and what he's done, because what I'm seeing around me is absolute bullshit. What I'm seeing is, uh, especially during this time uh, of a pandemic and fear, I'm seeing churches do absolutely nothing. There's nothing that they have done uh, to help anybody, yet they're sitting on millions. And like going back to the church theatrics too, especially, uh, that's that is the the biggest issue I'm seeing too is that there there are families suffering. Ben, there's there are people who it's not about it's not even about making ends meet. It's about I mean it obviously that's there, but it's also about you know people who are suffering in an abusive relationship or people who have been sexually molested or people who are suffering from mental illness or people who who are just tired, who are just absolutely exhausted, and they come to a, a place like church to get that that feeling, and instead of finding the real truth that's in the gospels what they're finding is fog they can barely freaking breathe with this crap going up they're 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 going to a complete full live concert 
uh, and then just at the right time, there's a there's a little gold silver disc shoved in their face, asking for whatever money they have left uh, to put in there because the pastor needs a new suit. And I think that I think that right there, because I can't remember what the verse or scripture in the Gospels where Jesus was asking people for money to get a new suit. The church says that they're like Christ. You know, I'm just curious because with with Christ, Christ gave compassion without expectation of it being reciprocated. The church is exactly the opposite of that. They expect compassion without reciprocation. Yeah. They're expecting you to to they're expecting you to give and have compassion for um for their building project. Have compassion for uh, whatever missions uh, that they, they've decided to sign up for. Um, but Christ was the other way around. The, the compassion, he gave compassion without asking for it in return. The church, on the other hand, is expecting compassion. Right. And, and whether you get it back in return or not, well, that's not on the church. That's because you don't have enough faith. What do you think about this, Terry? I haven't heard from you in a while, so. <laughs> well, no, you're, you were, uh, you know, speaking on um, what, I feel about the the major religion, well, the major um, churches that uh, you know that are spread across the country right now, with the the Joel Austins and uh, credulous credlo <laughs> dollar. <laughs> Josh is laughing. <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. Yeah, I <clears throat> I, I uh, Benny Hinn. I, I do agree with that though. I mean, I when I went to catholic church um with either my grandparents or my mother they would give me a little bit of money and say put this in the plate when it goes by that's all they said i was never told why until later when you start learning about some religions you know and uh, see that they you know require a tithe and that uh you know like uh that uh With the, uh, I remember in uh, when I was in high school, I was reading about uh, uh, what is it like uh, Martin Luther, and uh, I, I think right before he, uh, what did he, he uh, nailed the thirteen, yeah, ninety five theses, yeah, ninety five theses, yeah, he he did that because he was sick and tired of having people pay tithe to be absolved of all Atone their sins, of their sins, yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. <clears throat> you know, you start reading stuff like that, and then you, you know, when you're uh, raised as a Catholic and you're you're going to these services, and the tithe plate comes around, and you're like, well, well, if I'm already atoning my sins by confessing, why am I paying to absolve my sins again? Um, and again, you know, we we can go all into the you know confessionals and with uh, the Catholic Church, but you know, the, these mega churches with uh, the tithe plates going by. I mean, if if, if you want to see how it actually looks, watch Righteous Gemstones on HBO, and that's basically I how I told you, I, Josh. I told you basically how the Righteous I view. Gemstones. Check it out. I'm not trying to be a shameless plug for this TV TV series, <laughs> or or Terry for that matter. He's not trying to shameless plug this. Uh, but uh, I, as as a former minister as well, I I can speak to this too. Like it's 
it's crazy how accurate some of this shit really is. <laughs> yes. Yes, I mean it's 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 just if you if you haven't seen it, check it out. Um but that's basically how I see all mega churches. You go in there and it's just theatrics up the up the ass and and it's not how it should be. Okay, well, first of all, I didn't say I wouldn't watch the Righteous Gemstones or Oh, well. Well, I I'm too busy, you know, where are dropping boys in uh Warzone, uh Merkin fools if there wasn't a fourth in the party. Um, but yeah, no, Terry completely agree. And I think that is the biggest issue here. I'm going to get mad here for a second. So I apologize for the uh, naughty curse words that are about to come out of my mouth. Oh my God. I know, but it's okay. I don't judge you. <laughs> you belong. I, I, be- I do. Uh, when I first started going, uh, back to church, I go to, what would be considered a mega church, I guess, uh, for continue. <laughs> we need to keep that in. Uh, yeah, thanks, Terry. Uh, scraping Terry's, shit off. Terry's, Terry's trying to push water off the table <laughs> or beer. Beer. Uh, no, I would. I I I go to a mega ch- or what in our community would be considered a mega church. I feel like our mega church does a little bit more. But that's because I, I'm vocal. Like, I was not afraid to go to the campus pastor and tell him every, all the problems. And then within a month, the problems were fixed. But here's the deal. Going back to these theatrics, that's exactly uh, my problem. Because when you break down the relationship, uh, or excuse me, when you break down what Christ has done for us, and the example and the model that he led uh, uh for us to read about. Because remember, when you're reading the, the Bible, and you're especially reading the Gospels, Christ was not speaking just to the people who were listening. That's why he used parables. Christ knew that what he was saying was going to live throughout the ages, so he would break it down in the most simplistic way he could, telling stories, right? So as we read this, and then we understand not only did Jesus show us how to live, but Jesus also died for us, and Jesus... Uh, you know, Jesus uh, died for us, he rose again, and he continues to fight on our behalf. I then have to go to church, and I then have to see the theatrics go on. I have to see the fog machines. I have to see the rock bands. I have to see... Uh, the face-melting solos. I mean, or and like you were talking about, Heaven's Gates, Hellfire Productions, I actually... Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. The Hell's Flames. I actually witnessed one of those, too, because I used to go to an Assembly of God, uh, and... You know, I think about when I read the, when I read the gospel, specifically John, and I see exactly what Christ went through, and then I have to go to church and I have to see these fat cats sit up there and preach to me about how I'm not giving enough for them to build a new fire pit. It drives me crazy. It really does. And but it doesn't drive me crazy for the reasons you think. It drives me crazy because each and every one of you who are listening. You're listening for one reason or another, and I'm hoping that you're listening because you're on the fence and you don't understand or you don't you don't know enough about the the faith to realize that what you're witnessing does not reflect what Christ did for us. The model, the 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 model of how to live and the redemption that we get for believing in Christ, not only believing, but 
loving and having that relationship with him. What you're seeing are jackasses like Creflo Dollar, Joel Olstein, Kenneth Copeland, and not even just them, but your local pastor who lives way better than you do on donations. And you're wondering, why, why, why do I need to believe this? What, what faith? What's there? And I'm telling you right now, you have every reason and right to walk up to your pastor and question him. And if he says, you know, uh, you should call my secretary and uh, we'll set up some time, bullshit. Bullshit. Because Jesus didn't have a secretary. Anybody could walk up to him. All they had to do was touch his robe to be healed. But yet I got to set an appointment with my head pastor? Come on. No. Trust me when I tell you that when you belong to this faith. He's a busy guy, though. He's a very busy man. He has a headset. He has a headset. Uh, and we'll post that meme on uh, the grit social media so you understand. Uh, but if your pastor has no time for you, you have no time for that church. That that's, that that you don't belong there. Find a place that you belong. Find a place where you can walk up to the campus pastor or the head pastor and ask them what they're doing with their tithe money. If they're not outreaching, if they're not creating projects that better the community that they're in, that they're accepting donations from. If they're not feeding the homeless, if they're not clothing the homeless, if they're not outreaching to law enforcement to find out better ways to help convicts who are pre-release convicts who are on the street, if they don't have a place where where anybody could walk up at any time and get prayer, if they're not called demons in a tube, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that drives me crazy. That I, I still think about that where. I, uh, after editing the, uh, the last podcast, uh, you said demons in a tube, I think like four times in that last it podcast. It drives me crazy. <laughs> That's some fat cat pastor, quote unquote. Why they gotta be fat? <laughs> well, cause you're fat and so is Terry. I'm thin. Okay. But I mean, but seriously, like, think about it. You have a guy who's making hundreds of millions of dollars a year on you and he's calling you a demon. I mean... At what? Please. Well, but tell the, me when Jesus people, did that. All the people that don't give to him are demons in a tube. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. If he knew that somebody there was one of his platinum package contributors, he probably wouldn't call him a demon in a tube. But he he would rebuke them for like flying in a in a tube with demons. Exactly. And oh, oh, and I think the other part of that too, even if they were part of his platinum package, uh, you know, four hundred ninety nine dollars a month, twelve easy payments the audacity that you would have to it's, even it's like easy pay like yeah. the letter e the letter z pay text 7272 uh or the give e, to 72 e like form a cross <laughs> for christ start adding letters and the number that they appear in the alphabet well it, it equals 666 you're a demon and it's like 1888 jesus loves you no, for real. That's how theatrics work. I you know, no, I was like, I'm, oh my, I'm calling in and Jesus loves me. I'll give $200 more. No, exactly. Uh, I, yeah. But I mean, that's that, that that's the, but the first minute is free. You <laughs> take my mic now. again. I'll stab you in the face with a soldering iron. <laughs> hey man, we gave you, we gave you non-social cues. You can't see that, you know. Mess with me again. I, <laughs> I dance with wolves. <laughs> But I mean, the, I think that's where my angst comes from. Is um, is uh, I, I see the example that Christ led for us. You and want how to talk? Little. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, oh, okay. Sorry. What, what, no, no. The example that Christ led for us and how little. 
how little he asked for in return. Thank you. I appreciate no, that. No, 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 no. Please speak now, Ben. No, yeah, my bad. You've got the mic. <laughs> so in, in one of the uh, in one of the positions that I was in uh, in the youth ministry, the uh, the senior pastor uh, led worship for the majority of the time on Sundays. And we had a pianist uh, that, that a played a pianist. One more time. Pianist. So she played, and and the thing is, she never asked any questions. She would be there for worship practice uh, any time that was needed. Even if it was an emergency call, she would be there to practice so that that way we could make sure that we get it right on Sunday morning. Come Sunday morning, she ends up having a mistake. And because the senior pastor is leading worship and because this, this mistake happened, oh no, heartstrings aren't going to get pulled. The offering's going to be considerably less now. He visibly gets aggravated with her on stage while he's leading worship and says, no, you're playing it wrong, and stops everything, even though this senior pastor had a serious case of rhythm deafness. Like, he could not hear the beat at all. You kick the ones and twos, he'd kick the ones and sevens. He had no fucking clue what rhythm was what. So she was playing correctly, but of course, in his mind, it was all wrong and it was all her fault. And because of that, uh, he attributed the the lower offering to her lack of ability to play the piano uh, during worship, of course, when the offering was being passed. I thought, are you kidding me? It has. It should have should have nothing to do with how worship is played. But again, the, the, the generosity from someone's heart, if they feel compelled to give. So at this point, like what I would really want to do, uh, anybody that is listening or that is going to subscribe or that is currently subscribed, first of all, thank you. But anybody that's listening, I want to know, what are some things that you would actually want to see money that's given for Christ go to? Uh, a few examples that, that, that I had, and again, I don't, I don't know everything, I don't have everything right, but a few things that I did with absolutely no money or very little money at all in the youth ministry was just create a place that allowed youth to feel welcome uh, there was, uh, so that they could belong. Uh, I created land parties before land parties were cool. What's a land party? <laughs> So land parties are no longer cool. That, that, I feel like that's uh, I feel like uh, that's a made up word. Okay, so so Xbox. I'll I'll fill this one, Josh. Yeah. Land party is a local area network. Yeah, and uh, that's how you play uh, Warcraft. Yeah, back uh, you, in the '90s. Yeah, I'll take a 12 pack of Dr Pepper and a bag of Doritos, and then I'll spend the next 16 hours playing World of Warcraft. God, I work no, with virgins. <laughs> no, milady, it wasn't like that though. So listen, uh, like uh, in. In the youth group, uh, this was this was in my youth group in Colorado. Uh, we had a ton of uh, 15, 16, 17 year old uh, youth aged men that uh, like to play Xbox, specifically Halo 2. Halo 2 had just come out. And Xbox, it was the basically the um, the most recent Halo on Xbox. So. The thing is, even though there were kids that didn't come to our youth group, um, they, they were invited. It didn't matter. You don't have to come to our youth group. You don't have to come to our church. Your parents don't have to come to our church. You don't have to give any money. Nothing. What I did ask for in return, though, uh, obviously, was that you know the peace was kept uh, and that, um, that 
as far as language, you know, because we were in a church in God's house, uh, that language was kept to a bare minimum as far as swears were concerned. Because, you know, like if the senior pastor came in, he would definitely shut it down right away if he heard that. So the thing is, we had kids from all over the community. I had no idea who some of them were because friends were inviting friends. But we connected four Xbox together, four TVs. I had a router, like a, a switch, that I just plugged all these Xboxes, Xboxes into. And we would play 16-player LAN games, like from 7 o'clock at night until 2 in the morning. And uh, the thing is, that costed nothing. What we did, though, we did provide pizza. But the pizza was from a company, local company. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this. It's like Blackjack Pizza. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like a Domino's, Little Caesars, yeah. What they did for me, though, was they offered me $4 of pizza, no tax, and in Colorado, there is sales tax, but $4 of pizza, no sales tax. It was basically their cost, including the box. And, and they said, yep, here you go. And, and so they give me this pizza, and then the only thing that I did was, the only thing that I did was ask, if you can give something, it's going towards the pizza. It's going into the youth budget, but it's going towards the pizza. So anything you can give. Most nights we would break even, and that's perfectly okay. Some nights I'd have to eat the cost, and, and it is what it is. The bottom line is those kids, 15, 16, 17, could have been doing many, many other different things, many other things. That was an outreach that we provided or that I provided just on a whim because I saw the need. What is it in your local church that is a need that's not being met? What is it in your local church you say, you know, like where your money, where you want your money to go, but it's not going? Is it a youth center? Is it missions? Like is your heart for, for kids in, in Africa or families in Africa, not just kids, but families in Africa, third world countries that, you know, we're complaining about the air conditioning not working, but they don't know where their next 200 meals are coming from or what about your local community too what about the homeless that you uh don't mind stepping over when you're trying to get to work but then you have this understanding that maybe they're suffering maybe there's something going on there that maybe you can help or your church or the homeless kids in your community i mean ben you've done work with homeless youth i've done uh, work with adult youth uh <laughs> Not adult youth, uh, adults who are homeless, youths. Adults who act. But I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what is it that you guys want to see churches do? Because Ben, myself, and Terry, we can all sit up here and tell you all day long what we think should be. But what about you? That's the first step: is identifying what need do you think the church needs to make, or excuse me, meet in the community, and then tell us how are we going to do it. Yeah, and the important thing to mention, though, too, is that, you know, like with that, with the um, the the Xbox event that I had, uh, there was there was no talk of Christ. There's there's no uh, attempting to to win people over uh, for Christ uh, through words. The thing is, they know I'm a youth pastor. They know my status. They know some of the kids uh, that invited them go to the youth group. They don't need to hear from me a three-part sermon before we get on Xbox and decide to kill a whole bunch of aliens. That's, that's, that's not how it works. They just want to belong. 
They just want to have fun. They want to have fun with their friends, and they want to be in an environment where they can feel safe. And, of course, their parents will appreciate that as well. But that's the thing. It's When I say reaching out, I'm not talking necessarily about witnessing because the witnessing will take care of itself if you're doing the right things. If you're reaching out monetarily or with time, effort, energy, with care, your your Christianity, your, your love for your fellow man will transcend anything that you could possibly say. The greatest of these is what? Love. That's right. Uh, I, I, I don't mean to uh, interrupt. Uh, I do have a quick story I wanted to tell you about where your tithe is going. Uh, I actually been debating. I talked to Ben a little bit about this, and I've been debating on telling the story, but uh, there is a very large church in Billings. It probably is the largest church in Billings. They offer a uh, uh, what's called a I don't know what even what you would call it. It's it's a it's a fund to help people uh, uh, low income people get money for uh, a deposit rental deposit. I was working on a team uh, who would help the uh, severely mentally ill. Uh, where we were trying to uh, get them housed and put into uh, a sustainable living situation. Um, They had to have case management. They had to have medicine. They had to have counseling and things like that. And they had this one uh, client who was approved for a Section 8 voucher. And if you don't know what those are, then you should count yourself lucky and blessed. And uh, so we looked all over. Now, this particular client had no money he made about nine hundred dollars a month uh if you ever seen the movie punisher with thomas jane he was the kid with the all the piercings uh that's exactly who he was he he looked tough he talked tough he acted tough but really he was uh he was afraid of his own shadow but he had no money he was severely mentally ill he was disabled there was no way and trust me if if you knew if you know me you know that i would be the first to tell you if this person was actually uh disabled or not so we looked all over the place, and the first place that did offer us a little bit of assistance was Family Services. Uh, here in Billings, they are probably the uh, best uh, place to go if you need help. Um, so if you have any money or donations, I would go there before anywhere else. So, But we still had a large amount that was left over, and uh, we had to go, and I tried everywhere to get this man some money. I tried, I tried everything. I even... Uh, was recycling cans. Uh, I, I, you know, I'm not allowed to give him any money. I'm not allowed to give him any assistance. But um, I did everything I could. And we are still about $600 short of getting him this deposit so that he can finally live on his own. I go to this big mega church, and they make us fill out an application. Now, mind you, this, this fund, they brag about it. If you ever go there, they say, we offer assistance to the needy. I'll tell you that all day long. So I go in, we fill out the application, and my client is extremely nervous. He's extremely paranoid. He's uh, he's extremely, um, you know, exactly what you would expect somebody with uh, really bad anxiety to be like in those situations, already thinking he's going to fail. Uh, and so we go in, and they make us fill out this application. After we fill out the application, we sit down with the pastor. And the very first thing the pastor asks him, Ben, is, are you a Christian? Well, that's important. Right, I guess. And so It's important to him, apparently. Uh, it, yeah, 
and uh, this particular client, who is not a Christian, and probably won't be, says, I, you know, I, I'm still on the fence. And that pastor leaned back in his chair, crossed his hands and over his belly, and goes, well, there's a lot of God's people who need help. Wow. And that's not the way I was hoping it would go. No. The way I was hoping it would go is the pastor would ask him, well, are you a Christian? And before he could even answer yes or no, the pastor says, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like the rock. <laughs> that would be that would that would be fantastic because it doesn't. No, it, it shouldn't. And so there's my client trying to search for words. And, and my client says, well, I, I'm thinking about it. And then this pastor went on a 20 minute spiel about how uh, he needs to accept the Lord as a savior. And uh, it, it, it almost and being somebody who's been in the faith and have worked with churches and understand how things go, I knew what the pastor was doing. The pastor was dangling the assistance to my, uh, basically was dangling the assistance in front of my my client's face and was uh, wanting him to state that he was uh, ready to take Christ into his heart before he could get this housing assistance. So my my client said, well, yeah, then I'm a Christian. And then the pastor said, great, well, we'll uh, talk to you. Uh, we'll process this. We have a council that has to meet over it. And we'll let you know. And I said, well, would you let me know I'm his clinical caseworker? And uh, he goes, oh, absolutely. And I never heard from them again. Luckily, we use some other uh, churches on the south side here in Billings who barely have a pot to piss in, but they're able to scrounge up enough money to get my client housed. But I think that goes back to what you were saying, Ben, where these mega churches sit on big lumping piles of cash, but then set caveats to when they'll, they'll hand it out. So you, the listener... Tell us, I mean, is that something you think is acceptable? Is that something that you would want to see change in your church? Because I can tell you right now, thousands in our community go to this church and have no idea that this is what's happening. And we want to change that. We, we want to inspire some change. And it starts with the people who go to these churches who understand that this doesn't sound right. I didn't know this was happening. So if you didn't know this was happening, let's make a change. But not only make a change, what are we going to replace it with? And I think when you get past the church theatrics, and you get past to the dazzling show and the pyrotechnics and the fog, and you understand that you're still going to give that money regardless of what goes on, what is that money going to go to? Yes, you're blessed by God for giving that money. But now that you know, how are you going to change? Well, and again, I've said, I said this before, and I know that you've elaborated on this before. Christ had so little but was able to provide so much. Uh, in the way of teaching, and again, feeding the 5,000, we were talking about that. So if all of this money, you know, you're talking about a mega church, if all of this money is going to, you know, this church, well, what are they providing? How much are they providing? Even in the example that I gave with the whole Xbox thing, how much of it did it really require of me? A couple of the the youth that were going to the youth group said, yeah, I can bring my Xbox in, uh, and then we just you know, basically grabbed a few network cables. We already had the router switch as part of the church network, so it's not like I had to buy another uh, uh, network switch. Uh, we already had power at the church. Uh, there, there, there was very little money involved with, with a simple plan to, to have youth feel like they belonged, to have youth feel like they were welcomed. Not just in a church, but just with other youth. And and the thing is that that 
that translates into adulthood as well. It's not just youth that have this this feeling or this longing to belong. Everybody wants to belong to something. Everybody wants to be a part of something, especially something that 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 makes them happy. It's it's one of those things where you know, like, I don't know. I don't. Josh, Terry, do you, do you guys? You guys, I mean, is loneliness enjoyable? No. No. I mean, I mean, all jokes aside, we do have a problem with that today in this in this country, in this world, and no, it's not. No, I would agree too. I mean, uh, you know, loneliness is a big issue that people will have to face. I mean, um, for me, take for me as example. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm a single individual living by myself. Yep. And of course, I, I get lonely all the time. And you know, I thank God that I have you two as my best friends that I can reach out to in times of need. But there are people in this in our community that do not have that oh, at yeah. all. Yeah. And you know, you the listener, you know, reach out to your friends that are uh, by themselves. You know, just make sure they're doing okay. Yeah. Uh, does that require any monetary? Does that require any kind of monetary investment whatsoever? Like just to reach out to somebody, hey, how are you doing? No, absolutely not. Nope. nope. And that's my point. So with all of the money that's going, that's being funneled into these churches or into these ministries of mega churches, where's it going? What's it doing? Because there is very little money or very little monetary investment that is required to just show somebody decency and compassion and that's to me that's the biggest ministry that that you could have because it's exactly what christ did christ showed compassion he didn't have money it's not like he walked around and he had this money clip out and he's making it rain dollar bills and shit he comes in and he says you know he washes his disciples feet i i, I don't know where he got the soap from but he, he sure as hell didn't pay for it but he it's a servant heart. It's a servant attitude. And it didn't require theatrics. It didn't require a fog machine. It didn't require pyrotechnics. It didn't require a catchy fucking worship song. All it required was his time, his servanthood. All it required was him to have a, a smidge of compassion and just a tiny bit of love towards his fellow man. And then all he did was turn that around and say, look, the servanthood, the compassion, the love that I've shown you, Show to your neighbor, show to God. That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking of you. Can you please do that? And the church took that and they decided, no, what we can do instead, instead of showing love, we're requiring something from you. And that's money. That's time. That's energy that we expect from you, but we won't give anything in return. Exactly. And Christ did not put a caveat on this either. He did not say, I will love you, but you can't be gay. I will love you, but you have to be a Jew. I will love you, but you cannot have any sin in your heart. Jesus did not set any caveats whatsoever to what that love looks like. So let me tell you something, Christians. If you come across somebody who's homosexual, they're not excluded from the kingdom. Okay? We all sin. Every single one of us, every single day, every single hour, we all sin at some point. It doesn't matter if you're gay. It doesn't matter if you're trans. It doesn't matter if you're a Democrat. It doesn't matter if you watch porn. That's right. Yeah, especially. All this stuff, we 
have it. And Sorry, it, I had to throw that out there. No, no, uh, but but that, asking but, for a friend. Asking for, <laughs> but none of this matters. Not not what you what disposition you come to the cross with means nothing. It's what happens after you understand that relationship with Christ. Okay, and the one thing that Jesus has asked for us is to love one another and to love God. All the other things, once you have that down pat, once you've done the sinner's prayer and you have the love part down, everything else is between you and God because you're already part of the kingdom. You already belong. And everything else is just a mode to uh, to control you. It's an apparatus used. It's all about control. It's all about making you part part of a uh, cookie-cutter Christian-type style of, of thinking so that you belong to them. It's almost, honestly, it almost, uh, when I think of major religion, it almost seems uh, like a cult. And the pastor's the cult leader. Well, you don't want to use that word. I do. Uh, they're a cult. Well, well. You know, I've been told, what, what, another thing, too, I want to tell you, uh, going along the whole gay, straight, uh, Jew, Gentile conversation, I had a really good, I was told my whole life, uh, being a uh, uh, Pentecostal, I guess, that if uh, if I was Mormon or Mormons, if I was Mormon, I was going to hell. Mormons are going to hell. Mormons are terrible. And of course, we all watched the South Park episode. That 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 shit's funny. Uh, they weren't talking. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, they weren't talking about real LDS. They were talking about the uh, the fundamental. You know, the from yeah yeah they were talking about yeah. fundamentalists. But the the I mean, my my next door neighbors are Muslim or <laughs> <laughs> well Muslim Mormons. <laughs> No, they're not Muslims. Jackpot. Yeah, <laughs> Team America. <laughs> Better go I don't know over why that bring com- them a, a, a tray of cookies. <laughs> no, they're Mormons, and they're the greatest people ever. Uh, but my whole idea of Mormonism changed. And see, this is what we're Ben and I and Terry are, we're trying to tell you to do: go out and love, go out and talk, go out and co- you know converse and fellowship with these people. That's how they're going to see Christ. You know, Christ's love shine through you. But I just thought of uh, rapping for Jesus. Uh, don't watch that on YouTube. Uh, Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Uh, but I, I had a conversation with a guy we used to work with. Uh, you remember him, Brandon. Uh, and yeah, I, sure. I asked him one time, just out of the blue, I still believe Mormons are going to hell up to this point. And I say to Brandon, hey, I got a question for you. You're you a Mormon. Wait, wait a second. Wait, wait a second. You, up to this point, you believe that Mormons are going no, to hell? No, no, no. Up to the point when I talked oh, to Brandon. Gotcha. Yeah, okay, yeah, all no. Right, all right, sorry. And I... I, I I looked at Brandon as if he was going to hell, and I said, uh, hey, I got a question for you. Do you think I'm going to hell because I'm not a Mormon? And he just started laughing, and he goes, no, you believe in Christ, right? Yeah, you love him? Yeah, you're not going to hell. And I said, well, Brandon, it's funny because I've been told my whole life that Mormons are a cult, and you're going to hell. And he started laughing. Goes, like, He goes, yeah, exactly. He goes, I, I get that a lot. And it was at that moment that I realized, uh, no, you're not going to hell. I, and if you are, I'm not the one making that decision, so I need to stop pretending like I am. Exactly. Mic drop. So let me ask you something. Josh did. He he just backed away from the table and dropped his mic. Uh, I dropped my stomach because uh, I'm fat. And then he uh, spilled a beer. No, that was Terry. But I do got a question for Terry. Uh, and I mean, and this is all jokes aside. Uh, you started this uh, podcast with us, and obviously you're going to be on with us uh, from here on out. But I, you, you talked about your introduction to church and in Catholicism, the theatrics, the acting behind it, and all that. We talked about where the money goes. We talk about um, all these things. If you experienced not religion but faith, the way that Ben and I have been talking about, where you saw a megachurch, not a megachurch, it doesn't matter, 
but you saw a church who outreached, fed the homeless, clothed the homeless, the needy, took care of the single mom, provided a place for youth to go. You saw a church active in their community, not just to not not to minister, but just to be good people. Yeah, with no ulterior right, motives. no ulterior motives. You saw a church with sweat and blood and tears and did everything and bent over backwards, almost bankrupting their own five hundred one c three. But you saw them every month emptying the the tithe and the money that went into their collection, but back into the community where it helped the downtrodden and it helped the disenfranchised. If you saw that on a daily basis, and then you ran into these people and they were happy to do it. Would you say that that might change your mind about the faith uh, behind it? Or do you think that the faith itself is what's the problem, not the Christian? So when it comes to faith and, um, you know, I I would say my faith, um, I think that seeing people do good in the community raises my faith and then that you know that faith is in humanity um we're all brothers and sisters in this world um except for josh uh it's ma'am in and of his own <laughs> <laughs> it's no man. but the uh the, the faith aspect of it is you know if i, if I saw a um a local church um or mega church, whichever the case may be, um, giving back to the community um, and enjoying it. You know, it, it's, uh, I wouldn't say that my, my faith is, uh, my faith in Christ, I guess, is, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. So let's, let's do a breakdown of my faith. So <clears throat> it's not that I don't, um, you know, as an agnostic, I do believe that there is something out there. But uh, speaking with Josh and, and Ben on their views on uh, Christianity, um, or you know, just believing in Christ and God, um, you know, it, it it has helped me uh, come to terms with some things in my life. You know, it, I, I do have some faith, but I wouldn't label myself just yet as being on board the Christianity train. Um, there are times you see people in the communities that, hey, record this real quick. I'm going to go give this person uh, a jelly sandwich. Yep. Praise Jesus. Let's make sure it's on my phone. Yeah. Did you get that right? Yeah. Can you take a couple extra pics just uh, for provisionals? Ha- yeah. Hashtag uh, whichever chapel. You know, it's it's uh, a faith. A, maybe a faith, you know, but, uh, you know, stuff like that. It, it's it's uh, really disheartening when 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 you see people present themselves to society trying to give back but want that recognition um like putting it on their uh, social media pages hey this is what we're doing we're we're giving uh lunch out to all these homeless or whatever just come on down or hey um give us your money and then we'll kind of figure out what kind of programs we're going to run but you have to be a Christian to do it. You know, it's, it's issues like that, that the, uh, kind of going off on a tangent, but, nope, uh, Nope. You're good. Um, it's issues like that though, that, uh, that really make you question it though. Right. Yes. I mean, what's that? 
Yeah. So like, so it really makes you question it. But if you remove that and you say, you know, like if they if if they if they followed scripture where it was, you know, Matt, Matthew chapter six, which we talk about where where the church really was giving without requiring attention, without requiring this kind of, uh, hey, look at me, uh, how not necessarily how would it strengthen your faith in Christ? But how would it strengthen your faith in the church or at least what they're able to provide to their community? And then, of course, surrounding, you know, like out, out in the world, would it, would it strengthen your belief that they are doing the right thing? Or would you say, no, I mean, would you still be jaded about it? Like I'm jaded, you know, like and if they're doing things, I would still question the motives behind it until I was 100 percent certain that it's like unequivocally like they are wanting to do good absolutely i I, uh you know the way i was uh raised and you know the uh churches i've gone to i found that i i start questioning a lot of things um uh i want to know where the money's coming from i want to know where the money's going um i uh I mean, even even in my uh, my profession, I question everything. Um, you know, I, I've been told you you find a policy and you start questioning everything. Uh, with, with organized religion, I think that uh, my faith would be strengthened if I saw that uh, um, th- those organizations giving back to the people and you know not seeing it go to um, a new vehicle or a new plane, you know. Um, $80 I, million dollar plane, you yeah, say? Yeah, a, a G6. <laughs> yes, I uh, I would say my, my uh, faith would be strengthened um, if, if I saw people giving back like that. Um, you know, one, one thing that irks me a little bit is the uh, – the the born agains, um, people that claim they're born again Christians, um, but seeing how they treat other humans, you know that 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 would that diminished my faith right there. While when the born again Christian things are coming out, or that I, when I started becoming aware of it, you see people that would uh, not follow what well follow Christ teachings you know they they would they wanted the label and that was it they they bought the label and then they thought they were pure 88 reasons why christ is coming back in 1988 and i think that that's exactly the point i was trying uh to illustrate and i'm hoping that pastors are listening to this if you're not then you need to uh because you just heard from a cynic and agnostic what would strengthen not only just their faith in humanity not just their faith in the community or even the church itself but it gives them it gives people who are on the fence agnostics atheists it gives them uh something to judge what we're doing as a, a, a as a group of believers what we're doing what our purpose is because christ is not visible to people who don't believe we're the ones who have to reflect that 
We're the ones that have to reflect those purposes and meanings. We're the ones that have to reflect those teachings. So when you sit there and you put on a strobe light in the middle of church and you do your fog machines, you you do your 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 big fundraisers, you raise all this money, and then nothing? What do you think these people are going to think? What do you think agnostics think? They're already there. They already know that there's something out there. We need to show them the truth, but instead you're showing them something that doesn't want them to uh, to know the truth. They don't want to know. They don't want to belong to this group of people. And I don't blame them. Or there's a certain amount of requirements, too. Uh, so, obviously, uh, based on popularity, Tiger King, you know, uh, we're talking about, you know, like Christianity is a, well, not Christianity, but the church itself is a borderline cult. Um, it's interesting, like, uh, in following the Tiger King, uh, Carol Baskin, uh, has it all figured out, you know, like with her big cat rescue, uh, she has a tiered, uh, system, a caste system, if you will, that, you know, after you've, after you've, uh, donated a certain amount of your time as a volunteer, mind you, you're not getting paid to do this. If you've donated a certain amount of time, uh, then you become a more educated uh, cat rescuer, uh, and there's a color code scheme to her whole volunteer process. And what that does is, the, with the with the tiered system, it says I belong, uh, and I am better than another individual that hasn't spent as much time with these big cats. And they have it figured out because, I mean. Not only do you belong, but you, you also have a, a place that is in a position of authority above someone else. Uh, or, you know, you just have more importance because you're wearing a green colored shirt instead of a, a red colored shirt. And I can't remember the colors on the shirts there. But but needless to say, when I think about the church, I, I think about that whole process that she has her volunteers going under. If you give a certain amount, if you've been with the church a certain amount of time, if you have your own spot in a pew, you're more important. And again, we talked about this last week as well. You're not, when you accept Christ, you're not any more important in Christ's kingdom than anyone else. The fact that you accept Christ later than someone else doesn't mean that they're more important of a Christian or more important that they belong more to the kingdom of God than you do. We all belong to the kingdom of God. We're all equal, and we all have something to provide, something to bring to the table that's just as important. So, like, when you say, well, if you would just give, when you hear that, when you would just give, or when you start to feel the 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 soft tones of the piano playing that pull at your heartstrings uh, to give more money in the offering plate, understand that you don't have to give more money in order to be important to Christ. Christ loves you for who you are. Now, that's not to say, well, since Christ loves me for who, who I am, I don't have to be generous at all with my money. I don't have to give. I don't have to do this. Again, Christ did so much with so little. And the thing is, all he's asking of you is to just be willing. Like, be willing to serve. Be willing to give. You don't. It doesn't mean you have to give. Just be willing. The church says you have to. You have to do this. It's required that you speak in tongues for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's required that you give 10% in order to be a member of this church. It's required that you show up on a regular basis to be a member of this church. There's so many requirements the church sets. Christ doesn't say, I require you to do this. He says, I just need you to be willing. Accept me, 
That's it. I can use you. Yes, Christ can use you, but what if the devil made you do it? Oh, that's an interesting topic. We're going to have to actually uh, curb that, though, until next week, for sure. Uh, but the, the, you mean, like, distractions? You mean, you know, like, uh, if your car doesn't start in the morning uh, on your way to church, it's uh, the devil's fault? Uh, the, de- the devil's causing this? Yeah, I mean, right after that uh, big theatrical uh, presentation I heard on Sunday... I'm pretty sure on Monday my car didn't start. Uh, I went to church. Uh, I gave 90% of my uh, my income. Oh, it must be the devil. I had to break that curse in Jesus' break name. Break that curse. I rebuke thee. <laughs> so uh, the next podcast, if you can't tell, us being cheeky, uh, the next podcast is uh, titled Devil Made Me Do It, Break That Curse in Jesus' Name. We're actually going to go into it's the... It's a Broadway production. It is a Broadway production starring uh, the devil Terry. devil made me do it. Break that curse in Jesus' name. <laughs> the devil made me do it. Break that curse in Jesus' name. <laughs> Stop it. Cut that. No, we're not. Stop it. Uh, no, so next week we're going to discuss uh, the modes in which the church uses to control you. Uh, we're going to uh, discuss little clever uh, phrases such as the devil made you do it uh, or break that curse in Jesus' name anytime you see something that they don't agree with. Uh, we're uh, gonna- I don't know if you ever watch Disney XD, but uh, every time I hear a break that curse in Jesus' name, I think of, uh, I don't know if you watch uh, Gravity Falls at all, but where he's like, I rebuke thee, Dipper Pines. <laughs> You're so dumb. <laughs> Anyway, if anybody watches Gravity Falls or have kids that do, you'll know exactly what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, you will. So thanks for listening. And, uh, of course, if you have any questions, uh, you want to discuss what we talked about today, um, or you do have some ideas that you're, uh, that you're thinking that your church should uh, or that you would like to see your church do in the community, uh, please drop us a line. Uh, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. That's Grit, Unpolished Raw Christianity. Mm-hmm.